Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another edition of the Mickey Blog Podcast. I'm your host, Jared, alongside Alyssa Antonelli. This is your go-to Disney podcast for all things Disney, from the parks to the cruise line, to the movies, the streaming service, the things that I love that Alyssa rolls her eyes at me for, <laughs> just everything in between. But today we're talking about flowers because it is that time of year. Honestly, Alyssa, I'm kind of disappointed in myself. I didn't come like dressed for the occasion i should have like a flower in my hair or something i don't know yeah or maybe you should have given me sent me a dozen roses and i could have had it on my desk yeah. and said this was from jared now i'm looking real bad right now yeah this is just bad. i'm just you know it's, but I don't, I don't, you know it's I'm, all good. I'm absolutely on the hot seat but all <laughs> i have to say is that regardless of the lack of visual representation of flowers, there's going to be a lot of mentions flowers. of flowers. So just get flowers and gardens and springtime and blooming on your mind for this episode, because it's going to be a great one. And we're super excited to dive into a complete dedicated episode to Epcot's Flower and Garden Festival. It is opening week for Epcot's Flower and Garden Festival. By the time you're listening or watching this, the festival has already started. Um, which while we're on that topic, I want to let you know that Mickey blog will be there opening day covering everything from start to finish. I mean, quite literally from sunup to sundown. So feel free to go over to the website or the social media pages to check out all the amazing content from the festival. There's new topiaries this year. There's new food. There's, there's a lot of exciting things and reasons why you're going to want to visit, but we're going to dive into that in the actual episode. Before I do, I want to mention that this episode and every episode of the Mickey Blog podcast is brought to you by Mickey Travels. We'll talk more about Mickey Travels later on in the episode and why it's especially relevant this time of year, because this week they just dropped some information on booking your 2025 vacation. So very, very exciting. If you're looking to plan or book that Disney trip, you're going to want to reach out to Mickey Travels and let them help do it all for you at zero additional cost. But again, we'll talk more about Mickey Travels later on in the episode. So let's jump into today's episode, Alyssa. Uh, Flower and Garden Festival is extremely popular. It's, you know, it, it's just loved almost every single year in regards to, you know, how gorgeous it is, obviously. But I also think a lot of people have come to love this festival for other reasons, such as the food. Um, I know that a lot of my friends and, and my wife and a, a lot of people just in my personal circle love going to this festival for the booths. Um, and, and I hear often that it's a lot of people's favorite festival for food and drinks, which is you know, some people think it's a hot take with food and wine festival, but it's obviously just such a lively festival with the topiaries and the gardens and the booths and the, it's just the the prettiest time bar none to visit Epcot. Um, and I don't think that's a hot take at all. So what are, what are the main things for you that, that uh, stick out with this festival before we dive into particulars and, and why you think people should visit? Well, I mean, first of all, it's it's a longer festival than the last two that we had, right? Because Festival of the Holidays and Festival of the Arts are usually shorter. Um, we always say food and wine can be really long. And I feel like Flower and Garden, and Jared, I don't know if you agree with me, is sort of like right in the middle. It's kind of a yeah. perfect amount of time. It's not too short, like holidays and arts, because right, I, we think they're way too short. Like Festival of the Arts, I don't even know. Was it here for 10 minutes? It's gone. Like, I think it was literally here for like 10 minutes and it's gone. Um, the holidays, it makes sense because it's got to be geared around the holidays. Food and wine, 
is a really long time. I feel like flower and garden is a perfect amount of time. The other thing I have to say about flower and garden that I think you were sort of alluding to as well, Jared, is this is a really great time of year in general for people. Spring is a great time of year where, especially if you're in a cold area where the weather's not great, people are excited about spring. Um, spring is three weeks from, well, today's the tw- today's Wednesday because, you know, we're, to be really honest, we're doing this companies <laughs> ahead of the, you know, they we don't do it live, you know. So spring is three weeks from today. Like, that's crazy. Winter is basically over. Um, and I know people are excited about it. And I feel like that festival sort of is, um, it's just a welcome to the new season that everybody loves with warmer weather, longer days, and just being outdoors um, and enjoying the beautiful flowers and gardens that, um, you know, that people enjoy throughout the spring season. Yeah. You know, so I grew up um, and when I first was going to Epcot during festivals and I moved down to Florida, I always loved food and wine like most people do. But then you start exploring these other festivals and I'm realizing like, oh, you know, this this doesn't just highlight food over here. This is highlighting the holidays or art or, you know, springtime. And and I just, I really adore this festival because of some of the reasons you were just talking about in regards to like how lively it is. It really brings in the new season and it makes people feel like, okay, we're entering this warmer climate. We're heading Mm -hmm. towards, you know, longer days and, and, you know, the sun not setting at 4 PM and exciting things like that. So it's, it, it really is gorgeous, but I do know this, all right. Um, as someone who works on the Mickey blog, social media team as well, we were actually, some of our social, uh, team members were talking about just how big some of our posts have been about the topiaries. It's, it's mm. incredible how many likes some of our topiary posts are getting, which first of all, thank you for all the love, everybody who has liked those posts. But um, I just, I, I'm not going to say I get surprised, but I almost get taken aback at just how adored and loved these topiaries are. So I want to talk about those next, just because that really is such a centralized highlight of this festival. Um, It's one of the reasons people, walk around Epcot this time of year. People literally just walk around Epcot just to see all the topiaries and take photos with them. There's lines on busy days of people just to take a photo with them. So these are really, really amazing. So um, obviously this festival has been around since 1994. The, the, um, you know, the, Topiaries have changed over the years and developed and and sort of gotten more extravagant. Um, but what are what are your some of your uh, you know I guess thoughts behind the topiaries because I know they are so gorgeous. Well, they're so beautiful. And to be honest with you, if I can today, by the way, is National Retro Day, which I know people are probably like you know whatever. But I, I, there's a point to why I brought that up, and okay. it has to do with topiaries. But so back in, and I know I'm dating myself in the early seventies, when I used to first come here with my family, there was by the way, no flower and garden festival. There was no Epcot, but hear me out. They, the topiaries that were trimmed around the contemporary, there were topiaries of characters. There was a Mickey topiary. And does that ring a bell, Jared? Have you seen pictures? I mean, you're way too young to remember that, but they had all these topiaries that were in the shape of characters. And this reminds me of that. And we used to love 
going to the contemporary and taking pictures, you know, with those topiaries and finding the topiaries and just being amazed that they could create these. Like yeah. that you could take a a bush or a tree and make them create a Mickey Mouse. Or, I mean, when I think about uh, Flower and Garden, just these topiaries are incredible. I'm, I'm, in my mind, I'm just, my mind's racing of all the different topiaries. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Like, that's incredible. Um, Winnie the Pooh. Um, you know, just Tinkerbell. I mean, there's so many more um, that they can do this. So it does, it does sort of take me back a little bit to how I used to be so in love with those character topiaries back in the early 70s. So anybody listening that can relate, you know, give me a heart or a thumbs up because, you know, obviously you have to be as old as I am, but I just, I think that that has a nostalgic feel for me. You know, I remember it all so well uh, back in the 70s, just my <laughs> glory days. Oh, no. shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I will say this. It actually reminds me of one of the, the lost things at uh, the Disney parks that I actually personally miss. This is a super small thing. I guess to some people, maybe it's not. But, uh, you know, before the Main Street hub in the center of Magic Kingdom was redone. They had those rose gardens. I'm sure you remember them, Alyssa. Yeah. And being able to walk around through there, it it kind of put the park into theme park, you know? Like it felt like there was that whole extra park section that you're like able to take a few second break. I have a lot of family photos from when I was a kid there. Um, and Flower and Garden is like that times a thousand. You're just walking around and there's so many flowers and you know all these topiaries and bushes and everything it's like every time you stop you're just like wow this is gorgeous this is gorgeous mm -hmm. so it it's really really amazing and and i think that it kind of it kind of does almost if you're into that if you're into the idea of walking through a park uh in the park in theme parks this kind of elevates that right i mean epcot really does a fantastic job of you know taking that whole theme and kind of like exploding it times a hundred um which i personally really really love um but you know before we jump into more of the things that we really love let's start going over some of the particulars and some of our specific tips tricks you know pieces of advice basic level stuff we'll eventually get into some more detailed oriented things as well but for in regards to the basics i want to mention um when you get there, all right, we have said this advice many times about other festivals, about other, you know, events, you know, such as Very Merry or Not So Scary, anything of that. Do us a favor and do yourself a favor and get yourself a passport, okay? That is your first priority when you walk into Epcot during any of the festivals, okay? It doesn't have to just be Flower and Garden. When you walk in, you're usually thinking, okay, let me get a park map if I'm brand new here. But, you know, while you're doing that, there's going to be stands where you can get yourself a passport, a festival passport. And these festival passports will just dramatically change how you can go about your day. Let's just say that. If you don't get one, you're going to feel significantly more lost than if you do get one. Um, would you agree with that, Alyssa? Absolutely. I mean, it's, you actually sort of hit the nail on the head with saying it's equivalent to a party map or an after hours event map. I mean, it really is. Um, you know, if you walk into, um, you know, Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party on the first night or even your first time, where are you going? 
the, you know, where are the characters? Where's the food? Where's, when is the entertainment coming? So it really is, um, it's a guide. It's a great guide. It'll, you know, what I think is really fun also is take a few minutes and decide what booths are important for you to, to eat, you know, to, to hit, you know, at these festivals, and I don't say this in a negative way, they get busy. The lines for the booths get long, right? I mean, Jared, we know that. So if you have a favorite, if you're like, I'm dying to go to this booth, I really want to try this, make that a priority and go there versus I'll meander through, which is great. But maybe if you're really interested in certain foods or drinks, hit those and then you can always meander later and sort of, you know, take the rest of it in. But if there's certain things that are important for you. Those lines, I mean, I've seen, gosh, I mean, some of these lines, they're long. They go quickly. But they're long. Yeah. So, you know, we actually spoke about this when we talked about Festival of the Holidays. We talked about how, you know, some of the other festivals not named Food and Wine do have less booths, you know, because Food and Wine has the most booths by far. It's like a pretty significant jump. Um, and we we both kind of talked about how that's kind of a benefit in a sense where the quality actually kind of goes up uh, on the actual food and drinks itself because there are less Having said that, that means the lines could get a lot longer because there's less food options. So people are going to wait in these longer, longer lines, especially the ones that are very popular. And there are certain flower and garden booths that do get very popular. So it's really good advice what Alyssa's mentioning. Um, and especially beyond just which booths do I want to hit? Which booths do I want to rope drop? It sounds crazy, but believe it or not, um, when those booths open at 11, they get busy and busy fast. So you know, you want to, you want to go visit because if you try to stop by your favorite booth at 1230 or 6 PM, you might be astounded at how long the line is because people, the, people like lunch and dinner, believe it or not, found that out recently. Disney food is a big deal. The other tip that I think, um, and sorry, Jared, if I'm sort of stealing what we were going to talk about later, but I think another tip kind of going hand in hand with that to make things even a little bit easier is to go and get one of the um, festival gift cards that have the the wrist, the wristlet gift cards. They have like one of those sort of wiry, you know, little sort of round um, things that go around your wrist. And then it's just a little thing that hangs and you can load it with a certain amount of money. And then when you're going to the booths, you're just tapping, going, tapping, going, which I guess you could argue you could do that with your magic band, all that, but it's just kind of a cool thing that you could just load one of those little, am I saying right, wristlet gift card things and kind of go on your way. That's sort of like, it makes it a little bit more fun too. Yeah, a lot of people actually really love those. And no, I agree. I think I think it's, you know, smart to do something like that. It's, it, look, any, any way you can save yourself time and also, you know, make things more seamless is great. I think that's what makes yeah, Magic Fans sure. great. I think that's what makes Magic Bands great in a lot of ways is people like to, trust me, I've seen a lot of dads who are just at the pool and go up to the pool bar and just take their Magic Band and tap it and walk away. It's it's Multiple nice times. And, yeah, once or twice. Uh, <laughs> not that I was there, but regardless. Uh, either way, let's, let's uh, continue on with this discussion because I want to talk about a few other things when it comes to, you know, basic level prep for the festival. So obviously the festival does start on February 28th. 
that is a Wednesday. So just to get back into the topiaries specifically for a second, the reason I want to bring back up the topiaries, we were already talking about the booths and things of that nature, is again, I want to remind everybody about the passport, why this is important to sort of check the passport. The passport will have the full map in it. So it's not just about okay, what are the full list of all the booths and, you know, that sort of thing, because obviously that's important and you're going to want to go check out all those booths. It's also about where you can find the topiaries, where you can, you know, try the scavenger hunts, where you can check out the different gardens, because there are a lot of gardens actually located all throughout the park. Um, each one is sort of inspired, of course, by different countries, depending on where you're visiting. Um, lots of the topiaries as well will be inspired by the local region, of course. So you're going to see Anna and Elsa when you're going into Norway, of course. So that's kind of exciting. They do a great job at things like that. But this year, specifically, there are a few new topiaries that I wanted to mention. Um, right off the bat, right at the entrance, you're going to see Asha Valentino and uh, Star from Disney's animated film Wish. That is basically the front entrance topiary, like the main event when you're walking in. Um, and then there's also Groot, which is over by Cosmic Rewind. Lots of people are super excited about him because he's really the first topiary ever that plays music. It's really, really cool. Um, he's holding up a, a tape and... Um, it's just really, really cool. It's hard to describe. I don't even want to ruin it for you. You got to go see it for yourself. Um, and then there's also Miguel um, from Coco, which is very cool as well. Um, and then a lot of the classics that Alyssa and I were mentioning earlier. Um, lots of people do like to stop for some of the popular ones like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. I always see a long line over there because, you know, you're seeing a whole row of of dwarves trailing behind it's it's very impressive so so yeah just something to keep in mind um and Winnie that the Pooh is another uh i always find Winnie the Pooh with his red balloon in great britain is always another real popular one um it seems to be yeah no i totally agree and again uh that that's why um you know Pooh is over there disney does a fantastic job at sort of putting topiaries in there regional areas uh to to make you want to oh okay what disney film is associated with france oh there's beauty and the beast you know like that's something that you know you're gonna realize as you're walking around um and not everything is associated with you know the disney films for example there's really cute pandas that are located in the china pavilion um you know it's these these are really gorgeous regardless of where they're coming from and some of them are actually made from uh you know succulents and things of that nature they're not just you know regular bush topiaries so mm -hmm. it's very cool to see uh i'm not going to spend the whole episode talking about topiaries i promise but i did want to spend some time on it just because it's such a highlight for this festival and uh you know one of the reasons why you're going to want to just you know, make sure you also have that passport because you can see those sort of areas. And as you're walking around, you can almost cross them off as you go, which is exciting. So uh, very, very fun, um, really, really lively festival. And these these topiaries help bring out the most in, in a lot of these areas. I almost get sad when they take them down, Alyssa. It's like, you know, you kind of forget that Epcot doesn't usually have all these amazing topiaries all over the place. Well, no, it's funny because if you think about the the areas by the land and even, um, you know, just the different water areas, they usually have a lot of flowers. Um, I think they go even bigger 
during the flower and garden, but they do have flowers. Um, so when you think of Epcot, you kind of do think of Epcot normally as a very beautiful park um, with flowers and things like that. And like you said, you know, here it's just, you know, uh, exaggerated with these beautiful topiaries. Um, and it would be really cool if they kind of kept them up year round. Um, but then I guess, I don't know, you know, then that wouldn't like, you know, sort of notate that it's flowering garden. Yeah, I agree. I mean, but it would be cool. Like, I think if there, if you took a poll and said, would you like to keep these topiaries up year round? Most people would probably say yes. Um, it's just that they do think of this as, you know, flower and garden, springtime, things like that. But I do think they're missed when, when they are taken down. Look, Alyssa and I, we could probably uh, get accused and rightfully so about saying that we would like the Christmas tree uh, just up year round at year round. Wilderness Lodge and Grand Floridian and certain places on Disney property. But yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have this thing called seasons and, you know. <laughs> All good things must come to an end. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, it's not as exciting anymore, right? Yes. If you eat yes. steak every day, steak isn't as good anymore. Same thing with ice cream. Although I would say you can eat ice cream every day. Anyways, don't let Jared get off topic. This is a podcast about flowers. Uh, let's get back on to. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, speaking of ice cream specifically, this is actually a nice little segue. Um, you know, there's there's lots of exciting treats of all kind at these booths. But one of the things that I really love is now having Swirled Showcase in Epcot and having um, lots of offerings for like those sweeter treats because what what Disney does do a good job of is, of course, as Alyssa was talking about, this is a season where it's getting warmer and nicer out, things of that nature. So you're approaching a hotter time of year. So, um, you know, on those hotter days, you're going to want an ice cream or you're going to want like a sorbet or things of that nature. So they do have lots of offerings like that. Another thing to note is I do want to mention that they do have vegan and vegetarian options throughout World Showcase at some of these booths. You'll actually see on your passport a little green leaf or I think it's like two green leaves. I'm not sure. But either way, that's like the marker that lets you know that um, these are vegetarian or vegan options, um, which I think is really great. Um, Alyssa does actually utilize a lot of those options. And she's kind of like our honorary, uh, you know, vegetarian and, and, and that kind of reporter, which is great because it's getting increasingly, um, you know, more common and popular. And it's, I know, that I always see a lot of Disney fans commenting being like, hey, do they have any vegetarian or vegan options? So I just think it's really great that I think if you look at what five years ago, even what Disney was offering compared to now, it's pretty substantial. Would you agree with I mean, that? I would totally agree with that. As a matter of fact, I think they started, I, I, tell me if I'm wrong, Jared, I think they sort of started, I mean, Disney's really gotten good in their parks, you know, whether it's quick service snacks, sit downs. Um, and I feel like that started a few years ago, really starting to offer those kind of things. Um, the festivals I feel are a little bit newer. Um, almost want to say in the last maybe two or three years where all of a sudden you're finding these booths that are, I mean, there's a couple booths that are geared only for, you know, plant-based food items. Um, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then you have other booths where they might have one item that is a plant-based. Now, 
let's, I don't want to scare everybody. There's a lot of meat to be had. Am I right, Jared? At these festivals. Yeah, correct. There are. I don't want everyone to go, oh my gosh. Yeah. Am I going to go, you know, during food and wine, you know, the Canada booth is the most popular with the filet mignon and the cheddar cheese soup. It's all there for you. Um, But they have really made it um, very um, acceptable or or very, you know, um, welcoming to those that don't eat um, meat or anything like that. Um, But regardless of that, there's also really great like sweet treats, such as their funnel cakes and things that Swirl Showcase. So there's a lot of great uh, drinks and desserts and, and sweet treats as well. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, um, some uh, non-meat options, for example, at Brunch Cut this year, uh, which I believe Alyssa will be tackling Brunch Cut for us. I know Excited. she loves it over there. She loves Brunch Cut. Uh, I love Brunch Cut. I'm not going to lie about that. And they're bringing back a few things that they, they're staples there. Yeah. I'm not the biggest fan of the Fruit Loop shake, but those cinnamon bites, now they have candy mm. bacon on them. I ask without, that's, that's the other thing, Jared. They come with candy bacon, which mm-hmm. everybody loves. I don't eat bacon. So I just ask them to either put it on the side if someone's sharing it with me, or I just ask them to leave it off. And guess what? Easy peasy. Yeah. But yes, I am doing brunch cut because there is something impossible there. There is. And in, in, in fact, there is also, uh, that's actually a new item this year. The biscuit and gravy with impossible chicken fried steak and impossible sausage gravy is brand new this year. I am um, which excited. Is exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. I mean, most people love brunch cod. I wanted to sort of mention this on its own in this episode, just because this is kind of, this is a rare booth that actually one uh, opens up earlier on in the day, but also is serving up more breakfast oriented items, uh, which is exciting because most of these booths are going to be very lunch and dinner, dinner oriented and some sweet oriented items. They aren't going to be, you know, uh, breakfast, you know, brunch sort of items. And uh, beyond that, um, as Alyssa was mentioning, these uh, fried cinnamon roll bites with cream cheese frosting and candied bacon, these are amazing. One of my favorite festival items you can get during any festival. So have to shout that out. Uh, But either way, it's time for our midday break uh, or mid episode break rather. Um, (laughs) You're already like at the festival. You're at the festival. I'm already at the festival midday. Uh, But no, I want to mention that this episode and every episode of the Mickey Bob podcast is brought to you by Mickey Travels. Mickey Travels is a nationally recognized leader in Disney vacation planning. They are diamond earmarked by Disney and their services are always 100% free. Reach out to Mickey Travels today for a free quote on your Disney vacation at mickeytravels.com. That's mickeytravels.com, making magic one vacation at a time. And the reason I wanted to mention, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the reason I wanted to give a little bit of a special mention to Mickey Travels in this episode is that as of this week, 2025 bookings for Walt Disney World officially opened. It's a very exciting time because you can not only book your 2024 trips, which there's a lot of 2024 left, uh, nine months in fact, but you can also go ahead and book your 2025 Walt Disney World vacations as well. Alyssa, do you want to talk a little bit about this being that, uh, believe it or not, I think you have some sort of ties to Mickey Travels or something? Yeah. A little bit. Um, so no, I appreciate you bringing that up, Jared. Um, this was actually a really big surprise. Um, when we found out yesterday that today was going to launch 
the annual product for Walt Disney World. Um, most most people, even outside of the agency realm, were scratching their heads saying, wait a minute, Disney always releases, you know, the new product in the summer. So it's I've seen it as early as middle of May, as late as the middle of July. Um, so I usually say my thing is it's usually June when the product is released. Um, so everyone was a little bit surprised because it was released early. And then here's the really cool part. Starting today, we can book all the way through October 31st of 2025. So that's 20 months of booking. We've, we've had this one other time. And Jared, do you, I'm going to put you on the hot seat. Do you know when they released it early? Uh, what year they happened to release it as early as they did this year? Oh, man. Um, put you on the hot seat. Was it, was it 2021? Was it post COVID? Bingo. It was 2021. It. And that's a great, that's great. Um, and the reason that was because 2020 just decimated all of us in the travel industry. And when things got back open, and I say that kind of a little bit, because right, it was like in piecemeal. Disney felt real. I think they just felt so bad that everything had shut down for so long that they decided to open this up early and say, okay, let's get going again. Let's, let's sort of, you know, so I think that, um, this is the, like I said, this is definitely the first time, um, you know, that we have, uh, you know, uh, had it this early, but we're super excited. And, um, yeah. Um, so like I said, and then Jared, do you want to talk a little bit or you want me to about the other sort of cool thing that they, um, offered? No, I think I'd like you to talk about it because you're already on a roll and and you are definitely more of our Mickey travels and planning expert uh, comparatively. So I, I'd love for you to talk about it. But this is an amazing deal uh, for our listeners and viewers. And I want I want everybody to know about this. And we wanted to mention it in this episode because it just dropped. And it's it's very important info if you are staying at Walt Disney World in 2025. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So this was something that I think is unique. And people were excited about this as well. So in addition to the 2025 annual product release this morning, um, in 2025, Disney is also offering all their resort guests, who that means stay on property, um, on check-in day, the option to go to a water park, um, which is exciting. And that's for the whole family. That's whoever's on the reservation. The best part is um, there's no action needed by the client. You know, sometimes when you have these things, people are like, oh, what do I have to do? And how difficult is that going to be? And how do I have to, you know, manage this? It's super easy. It is simply a, an, a, a I guess you would call it a resort added benefit. I guess that's the way I'm going to word it. And it's going to be automatically linked to your My Disney Experience, which is obviously linked to your Magic Bands or your Key of the World cards. So on check-in day, and I just want to say this real quick, and then Jared, I know we're going to hop back onto the festival. A lot of times we have clients who will say, you know, we didn't get a park, a park ticket for, for, you know, we're not going to go to a park the first day. What do I, what do we do? Well, obviously there's a lot of things you can do at Disney without going to a park on your first day can kind of meander around the resort and have all that fun because the resorts are amazing. Or you could go to Disney Springs, right? That's always a great option. But now there's the option to, you know, have your resort hold all your luggage maybe wear your bathing suit under your clothes. I think that's a great tip and head out to the water park 
and you didn't have to pay extra for it just by being a resort guest. So not to go too much into it. It's a great added resort benefit. It's definitely a great, another reason to stay on Disney property. And I just want to say thank you to Disney for coming up with a great, uh, a great added benefit. Yeah, I totally agree. Especially, you know, when it's going to motivate guests, first of all, to also show up to the resort earlier on, you know, maybe they want to check in, you know, 9am and your room is probably not going to be ready at 9am, right? Because your room usually doesn't get ready until the afternoon. However, uh, maybe you get lucky, but if you don't get lucky, it's totally fine. As Alyssa mentioned, you can drop off your bags there. They can hold on to your bags. They can drop it off at your room later on when your room is ready. Also, your room can literally notify when it is ready via, you know, My Disney Experience and your app, which is super, super helpful. So why not spend that time over at a water park? You know, it just, it's a really, it's a free added benefit. And, you know, I think there's there's never a bad time to celebrate, uh, you know, these free added benefits that Disney provides, you know. So I think it's fantastic. I think it's great news. And I also think it's exciting because it's going to help boost, you know, uh, you know, the, the drive to go over to these Disney water parks, because I really love both of the Disney water parks and I'd love to see both of them continue to thrive into the future. Um, you know, especially as we enter in these hotter months, we're getting closer and closer to that folks. So, uh, when it's July and you check in and it's 105, you might think to yourself, you know what, this water park option, that Jared guy, maybe he's not so crazy. <laughs> but either way, uh, definitely really, really cool. If you want to hear or read more information about all this, definitely head over to mickeyblog.com. And if you ever need yeah. help planning or booking your Disney vacation, as we mentioned, please do head over to mickeytravels.com and uh, they'll get you completely set up. Whoa. So awesome. let's jump back into the episode because I want to talk about sp some specific things that are like only offered at this festival that I actually think are, are very cool. Um, for example... Um, you can pick up your festival passport, join, join in on the Tasty Foodie Fun with the return of Garden Grays. Garden Grays, essentially, uh, these are specific treats that you can grab throughout the festival, um, and they will stamp or sticker your passport and mark it to let you know, okay, I've, you've grabbed one of the Garden Grays treats, and at the end of it, once you've gathered uh, the necessary amount, you can head over to uh, the booth to to the booth that it says it's on and you can grab yourself that prize treat, which I always think is super fun. Um, just another way to sort of, you know, enjoy the, uh, you know, uh, the festival. Jared, so would you, would you equate that a little bit to the cookie stroll? It's very similar. Yeah. Um, and they For anybody do, that wanted an analogy with that, would that be a fair one? Yeah, that's a really good analogy because sometimes the words don't always word the way that I want them to word on this podcast. No, I think you said it really well. <laughs> I, no, honestly, I think you explained it really well. And I was thinking about like a, a comparison that someone would say, okay, I get that. And then if someone's done the cookie stroll, they could say, oh, so it's kind of similar to that. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I totally agree. And another comparison is Emile's fromage montage. Like that's offered at food and wine festival. You yes, know, these are exactly, it's just another fun way to make you want to try different items around the world. Yeah. Uh, but there are nearly 20 outdoor kitchens with over 60. Yes. You heard that 60 
new items to indulge in this year, which I thought was very exciting and something worth mentioning. Uh, if you're looking into this festival and you're like, oh my gosh, like I remember this from this last year. Like, yeah, there are going to be lots of returning treats, but 60 new items is a large wow. amount of items. Uh, trust me, as someone who covers the Disney parks, uh, our entire team was like, whoa, 60 items, that's a large number. And it's very exciting because that means that Disney wants to continue to, to update these things and bring us new uh, exciting offerings. I mean, you never know one of these offerings, I'm sure, actually, I almost guarantee it, there will be a few of these new offerings from this year that is going to make people go, okay, well, Hopefully that's a returning item going forward. Uh, so I always thought that uh, it's very cool. Your exclusive treat, by the way, I wanted to mention uh, once you finish the, uh, you know, Garden Grays, um, you can go over to Pineapple Promenade, which is one of the booths. Um, and then that is where you can pick up your treat. So very, very exciting. Um, I wanted to mention a few of the other like popular items that are returning this year. Um, we mentioned about um, Canada. The filet is very popular during Food and Wine Festival, but don't let that stop you from going over to Canada because during at Northern Bloom, the booth during Flower Garden Festival, there is a chocolate maple whiskey cake. Lots of people love that one. One of my personal favorites, not going to lie. Um, as we were talking about before the break, we were talking about brunch cut. Brunch cut is very, very popular. Lots of people adore brunch cut. Do not miss that. That is over by test Sorry, track. Hands off brunch cut. I got it. <laughs> do you, yeah. do you, does, I hope I wonder if our listeners and viewers are kind of sensing that you're trying to like kind of come into brunch cut and Jared, I, I'm good there. I'm, you can look away. Can, There's nothing can, to see here. Nothing, absolutely nothing to nothing see, to see brunch, brunch cut. Move on to the next booth. <laughs> Oh man, I think I'm starting to get the idea that Alyssa likes that booth. But um, just there, saying, there's what another else do booth. you have, Jared? What else yeah, do you have? Let me move on to the other booths. <laughs> uh, another booth that I think is worth actually mentioning <laughs> is Farmer's Feast because Farmer's Feast is a unique booth that's offered at Flower and Garden Festival. The reason for that is they have several different menus um, during different parts of the festival. For example, the early bloom menu, first of all, Farmer's Feast is located right by Creations, kind of sort of near Brunch Cot as you're walking towards the central uh, world showcase. Um, it's right over there, kind of not really hidden, but before you actually enter World Showcase. Uh, so there's the early bloom menu that is available from February 28th through March 30th. There's the springtime menu that's available through March 31st through April 27th. Both of those items are brand new this year, Alyssa, as well as the summer solstice with more brand new items this year, including a peach galette with ginger vanilla whipped cream. Lots of people seem pretty excited for that one. Um, so that's that's always, uh, you know, exciting and people really love, you know, the sort of rotating menus, which which I always, you know, sort of found fun. Um, another one that people really, really love is actually the, uh, the, uh, the grilled street corn on the cob. Uh, people usually, uh, really, you'll see people walking around with these big corn on the cob items, um, sort of fun. Uh, there's also a land cart this year, Alyssa, I wanted to mention that's over by the butterfly garden, which is another offering that we're going to talk about next. So let's talk about the butterfly garden for a second. 
because the Butterfly Garden is a very cool offering that is only available during Epcot's Flower and Garden Festival. This is located right by the Land Pavilion, and it is absolutely 100% worth a stop. Um, I really, like, I think this is like a must-do of the festival. Um, even if you don't like butterflies, like, I, just, just Who bear doesn't with me. like butterflies? <laughs> There's somebody out there. There's oh, a, gosh, please. You have to like butterflies. Yeah, there's got to be a person or two. Maybe a yeah, few. No, I don't know. No, I, I need to convert those people. If there's somebody <laughs> who doesn't like butterflies, please talk to me. I will tell you all the great things about butterflies, and I will convert you to loving butterflies. Agreed. In fact, yes. just meet Alyssa at Flower and Garden Festival. Mm-hmm. She'll just... We'll go into the butterfly garden, and I will show you how amazing <laughs> and beautiful they are. So well, I don't believe there's anybody out there. I know our viewers and <laughs> listeners love butterflies. Continue. All right. You got it. So yeah, the butterfly garden, you're going to walk into this um, sort of greenhouse. It is screened in, of course, so the butterflies don't escape or, you know, fly away and never return, however you want to <laughs> call it. Uh, although some of them still get out, trust me. Um, it's very, very cool. You walk in and you not only get to see just an enormous amount of butterflies flying all around you. I've had them land all over me before. It's very cool. But you also get to learn about the whole process of, you know, how butterflies come to be, why they're important, you know, during the pollinating process and things of that nature. So it's very cool. Um, And there's other gardens, just like the butterfly garden located all over, you know, the, the entire park. For example, there is a bird-oriented garden where you're learning about birds and how important they are. You can go to the Honey Bistro and learn about the processes of bees and why why bees are so important to pollinating and, you know... Um, it's like conservation. Exactly. You're, you're learning something. Which, you know, Disney is all about conservation, right? Like, we know that. If you go to Animal Kingdom and you get off the safari and you can donate to the, or any of the stores... I think it's kind of safe. They're not asking you for money at this festival, but it is the idea of, I mean, I think it goes back to Walt. Everything's learning, but you can have fun while you're learning. So like you said, you can walk into the butterfly garden and see these beautiful butterflies and have them land on you. But you can also learn about, you know, what their purpose is and why they're so important in our society, in our ecology, if you will. Um, and ways that we can make them, be- you know, I, how many times you heard about the bee population and all the thing, And so to go and learn about the importance of bees and how we can keep their numbers going. I think that's also really important, especially for the younger generation to have fun and also learn. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think, you know, I think that's what makes Epcot Epcot too. When you go back to its original core, um, you know, what Walt was intending to do with Epcot was sort of, you know, not not force you to learn, but make learning interesting, uh, as interesting as possible. I mean, how many kids, this is my best analogy when it comes to Epcot and why this park is so important and sort of correlates with, with what Walt's vision really was. How many kids go on Spaceship Earth? And suddenly they're way more interested on his in history. I know I was, you know, I enjoyed history personally growing up, you know, when I was in history class, I actually paid attention to that one. Uh, But, you know, not that I wasn't a good student. I'm just saying, but (laughs) when I'm on spaceship earth, I'm just enthralled by, you know, you're you're learning. 
I know. It's like everything's coming to life, you know? Right, it's- but it's it, that's a great analogy because you're going through Spaceship Earth and, you know, your your eyes are everywhere and the smells, right? Like Rome burning yeah. and all that. But you're learning at the same time. Like there's things as an adult I didn't know about. Like, oh, wow, I didn't know this was the time frame that this happened. And, and you get off and you say, I just so enjoyed that. And I could, how many times have you written it, Jared? Like mm-hmm. 100 million times and I still look at things and pick pieces out and as kids it's like they are learning you know Mm -hmm. what is it if you can read this thank the Phoenicians never heard of the Phoenicians before Spaceship Earth yeah how many people figured out what the Phoenicians even were uh okay that's what I'm saying right so just saying I I totally agree I think you know, another good comparison for this, as much as I might hate to say it, Alyssa, I think most people who've listened to this podcast before know I'm not the biggest fan of living with the land. It's not my favorite ride. Uh, however, um, we have I some can... Mickey blog family that will disagree with Jared and probably will take, mm. take, you know, issue with his statements, <laughs> but proceed, Jared. Yeah, I've gotten some angry texts. In fact, this yeah. week already. But yeah. regardless, uh, you know, <laughs> but you can the- see the value of it. I'm learning <laughs> exactly. I, th- I think you know it's supposed to correlate with you know the original vision of Epcot. You know, Epcot really yeah. is one giant you know place of learning, and and you're learning about oh. not just history, but you're learning about where we can go in the future. You're learning about. Uh, nature you're learning about conservation and then when you go over to the seas pavilion you're learning about sea life and how important all those animals are of course they do a great job of incorporating ips with you know finding nemo and properties of this nature but uh that's what makes it fun that's what makes it fun right and you're gonna appeal to a bigger audience that way but when you go into uh world showcase each country is an opportunity to learn about these cultures in these places. So true. You're seeing all this stuff for the first time and your eyes are kind of like, whoa, I didn't know. And I you know what know makes Morocco it better? look like that, you know? Yeah, so and what makes cool. it even better are the um, it, the international cast members who are from those countries. So they're, they're the storytellers of their country, which I think is amazing. Um, I just had lunch um, about maybe a few weeks ago with two agents at Via Napoli, which by the way, can I just say real quick, not to derail, I haven't been to Via Napoli in quite a long time. And I remember being good, but it was great this time. Oh my gosh, Mm. like I forgot how great that pizza is. Anyway, I digress. But anyway, it was our waitress who is from Italy and she was talking about her hometown and she was talking about the foods we were eating and we were unsure about which pizza to get. And she said, well, why don't we do a little bit of this and a little bit of that? And in my country, you know, so here we were having a wonderful lunch, but we were learning at the same time. Yeah. No, from the I, cultural representatives there. No, I mean, I actually equate it to, um, you know, it's the same thing with spaceship earth, right? Like I, I, for example, I'm going to Italy with my wife in a few months and I've never been before. I'm very excited. It's our first time to Europe together. It's our first time way over there. Uh, and I'd be remiss if I said, okay, I have to go see the Sistine Chapel or I have to go see the Vatican or I have to go see, you know, the Colosseum or some of these, like some of these markers that you see 
whether it's Spaceship Earth or actually in World Showcase, make you be like, oh, I want to go see that in person in real life, which I think is a fun way of doing things. And, you know, just makes you just makes you excited, um, you know. So I, I think that's what makes Epcot so great. And and the reason we wanted to bring all this up, the reason it correlates specifically with Epcot's Flower Garden Festival um, is because Flower and Garden Festival is kind of like you're going to class to learn about gardens, to learn about nature, to learn about flowers, to learn about pollination, all of these things, because literally at each garden, there are these little, not just signs for each one, but there's these little stands that will explain, um, okay, why this garden is here. Like obviously the tea garden is going to be in the United Kingdom pavilion or the Shakespeare garden is going to be over there. But when you go over to Japan, you can stop to learn about why uh, they, you know, create and, and, you know, showcase the bonsai trees, or, you know, you can go over to the bird pavilion and learn all about these different species of birds. You can go to uh, the amazing um, flowers of fragrance garden, which is usually located right in the middle of Epcot as you're walking over the bridge into world showcase. And you're, you can stop and learn all about different spices and, and smells and why this flower smells like this and why this one smells like this. Like, it's kind of like a giant class. And I am aware if you don't like school, you might be thinking, Jared, <laughs> you're boring me. That doesn't sound fun. But that's what but it's hands on learning. And if I'm not mistaken, Jared, I know they do this at many of the restaurants in Walt Disney World, but I'm assuming maybe I don't know. I don't want to assume. Maybe you know the answer to this, maybe you don't. Do any of the booths utilize any of the vegetables from living with the land? Yes, they do. In fact, a lot of what Living with the Land does that I always thought was very cool is as you're on that attraction, um, geez, people are going to start mistaking me as a fan of Living with the Land here soon. Yeah, be uh, careful. <laughs> I know. Walk as a fine line. As you're on that attraction uh, during Flower and Garden Festival, they actually uh, um, add a few things that are sort of unique and new to the during that time period. Um, we've checked out, there's a few stories on the blog already about the layovers currently going on during Flower and Garden, but they will actually um, have little signs up sometimes and let you know like, hey, this item right here is used at this booth and this item is that's used cool. at this booth, which so I that's learning cool. too. Like you're seeing where they're growing it and then you get to actually eat it at one of the Flower and Garden booths. So when it, it's kind of cool. Like you said, if I'm going on my little boat and I go, oh my gosh, that... I'm making this up. That basil that's grown there is used in the booth in Italy. And then I can actually see it and think to myself, wow, I, this is from the land, you know, the land, living with the land. So I think that that's another interconnection of education um, and all that other stuff. So it's, it's really so woven. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but, you know, regardless, uh, one of the things that, you know, you know, again, as we were just talking about, these are these are just a few of the things and reasons why you're going to love Epcot in general in regards to the education processes and how they go about, you know, making you excited. But beyond that, you're also 
getting to learn specifically about how this all works and why it's so important to making the world go around. Uh, but there's a few other things you, uh, I do want to mention here. Um, for example, uh, typically you're going to spot gardener figment, figment dressed up as a gardener uh, in creations. That's always kind of cool. Um, living with the land, as I mentioned, does get those uh extra additions, but some of the topiaries actually do light up and become more interactive at nighttime, which is something that is worth mentioning. For example, if you're at the front of the park, um, we have a theory, I'm not totally positive, but uh, Asha is holding um, Star, uh, and Star certainly looks like he might light up. We'll see. It could be wrong, but we'll see. Either way- He's got to. How can he's he got not? got to, right? That's but, a, and if he doesn't, they, that was a missed opportunity. Yeah, we were, we were right here, Disney, and we were saying it. Like, you you got it, and you didn't put, or or maybe the outlet's not working, you know, maybe they need an <laughs> extension cord, but for sure, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, that that's actually really unique, unique though, Jared, I was, is that new to this year that there's light up uh, topiaries? It's not new, but one thing that is sort of becoming it's something that's becoming more prevalent and, and more popular. Um, in years past, they've had light up topiaries, light up, but not all of them light up. Let me clarify that. Like every single one will have some extra lighting around it so you can see it right. at nighttime, but some of them have light up features. For example, Lumiere over in the France pavilion, his candlesticks actually glow and light up at nighttime. The troll, uh, you know, topiary, which is located in Norway, holds a lantern that does light up. Um, the Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, you know, you're gonna see um, one of the dwarves holding a lantern that does light up. Um, you know, so these are kind of cool features, but they're adding more, I've noticed, uh, and we have noticed, our team has in, in recent months and recent years, uh, they've been adding more. Uh, and this festival, I think there's going to be more than ever, um, not yeah. just the star at the front, but, you know, we could see many new additions. I know last year people really loved Mirabelle who sort of had a butterfly on her hand and that butterfly would light up at nighttime. So uh -huh. it's just a fun little way to make you excited about still seeing the topiaries in the evening. Um, so yeah, that's just something to think about. Um, and speaking about evening, Jared, if you don't mind, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, is there going to be um, a special show on spa uh, Spaceship Earth for this Correct. festival? Correct. There is going to be a special uh, beacons or show. I know they beacons. They, beacons is a better. Yes, beacons. Is I, better. I know they don't even really like us using that word anymore. But I don't know how. What no, else? No, it's a beacon. Like it. They're beacons. <laughs> Me too. Um, so there is going to be a you know flowering garden specific uh, beacons, which is really wonderful. Um, on and who's going to be that, covering that? That's probably going to be Jared. And well, I guess you know, actually what I was going to say was who will be covering that Mickey blog will be covering that. Oh yeah. Um, yes. Well, specifically you, <laughs> but Mickey I just assigned myself. You uh, assign yourself to that. Um, just go to jared.com and you can see all yeah, of and it. Be like, yes. And that's so always good to let everyone know that. <laughs> so Jared, would you say that, and I'm sort of like rhetorically saying this, um, there are going to, there's going to be a ton of coverage from Mickey blog on topiaries, booths, passport, 
uh, light up topiaries, beacons, garden rocks. I mean, all the things, butterfly garden. I mean, it's going to, it's going to be like our listeners and viewers won't miss anything if they head over to Mickey Bog. Well, as they say, the whole nine yards. Yes, we will have all of it and uh, you will be able to see every single piece of information we've discussed today and more over at makeyblog.com but if not you can also head to our social medias we didn't even talk all that much about the merchandise there is specific merchandise that yeah. is available for this festival including a cocoa collection an orange bird collection butterfly co collection annual pass holder specific merchandise we will have all the coverage of all the merchandise. We'll have all the coverage of all the topiaries, all the booths, all the gardens. Um, you get a good night's sleep, Jared. It's going to yeah. be a long day. Hey, I'm showing up. I'm showing up in my garden outfit. I'll have, I'll, I'll look like a <laughs> farmer. I'll, I'll be ready Overalls. to roll. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I, one of the team members said, you better show up dressed as a farmer. So I guess that's what I have to do. So yeah, overalls uh, and, you know, back, you know, like a, a hoe or, you know, yeah. a straw hat. Straw hat. Yeah, no, yeah, for absolutely. Sure. For no, sure. but we, we really appreciate all of you who have listened and viewed this episode. If you did enjoy it, we do hope that you press that like button, subscribe if you want to see or view more episodes. We are available on all podcast platforms, essentially, whether you're listening on Apple, Spotify, or more. Uh, but you can also watch every episode over on the YouTube channel. We upload every single episode in video format on YouTube. If you'd like to watch our episodes, hello, see, that's me waving. Um, but if not, that's all right. You can also just listen to us too. That's all right. Um, if you want to continue to support Mickey blog, please do head over to mickeyblog.com where we are posting all things, Disney 24 seven, quite literally 365 days a year. We cover all things, Disney from the parks, to the movies, to the theme parks, to the streaming service, to so much more to star Wars. Alyssa loves that. Uh, and you know, any, to Mickey bars, just anything you could think of, we're covering it. Um, to living with the land, sadly. Uh, but either and way, can I say uh, one other thing, Jared, <laughs> just real quick. And I know we're, I know we're cut, we're ending this and obviously so much fun working with you again. Um, is it possible? I'm sort of asking this question. If our viewers and listeners could share feedback of things they'd like us to cover or things they'd like us to talk about, is that, is that yeah. something that they're capable of doing? Absolutely. So we are always checking our comments. We're always checking our messages. If you ever have an idea for a podcast episode, if you ever have, you know, feedback, hey, Jared, just let Alyssa run the podcast. She's better than you. Whatever. I mean, that's all right. <laughs> I mean, it'll just be one screen. I mean, no, I couldn't do Jared runs, runs as I'm lucky to be his co-host. But I think it would be really fun if there's anything, you know, a specific topic or Anything, but just we got to make sure it, it's always about Disney. Mm -hmm. um, doesn't mean it has to be about Disney World. Any Disney destination, any of the Disney IP, any uh, anything. Um, if you guys have ideas, we will run with that, right? And we will yeah. we will make a we will make episodes about that, and we'll no. even give credit to the person who wanted us to talk about it. You know, certain episodes actually develop from even talking about different ideas. We've had different episodes come along from people's suggestions and people's comments, and and uh, that's always been great. I mean, sometimes we'll even be mid-episode, and Alyssa and I will be like, hey, that could be a whole episode in itself, and we'll turn that into an episode. Many so, times. You know, 
for example, yeah. we, we were doing an entire series on must do Disney. And then we realized we have to have the person who did must do Disney on the Yay, podcast. Yay, Stacy. So we if did Stacey have Stacy We miss you. Come back. Yeah, she um, was But wonderful. yeah, if anyone has ideas, um, we'd love, if that's something that, you know, um, we can do, we'd love to, we'd love to do things that people are interested in hearing about. Otherwise, if you don't have ideas, you're just going to keep listening to our ideas. It's all right. Yeah. And eventually I'm going to come up with a good one. I don't know when, but one of these ideas. Oh, I'm we have lots, have a good of good ones. <laughs> lots of good ones. You do. And we, appre we appreciate everybody who listens and watches and um, we do this for you guys. That's yeah. why we do it. So I mean, thank look, you so it, much. It's a joy. It's, it's a blast to do. We love doing this. Um, Alyssa and I have really come to enjoy doing this together, um, yeah. you know, and, and it's been a lot of fun. And I do just want to give a quick shout out to everybody who's left a rating or review for us. We continue to have strictly five-star ratings on both Apple and Spotify. I think that's amazing. That shows that not only um, you enjoy what we do, um, but you enjoy enough to actually give us a full shout out. Those five-star reviews mean a lot to us because it actually pushes our podcast out to more listeners and more viewers. If you thank do leave you a so five-star review. Yeah. So thank you so much for all the kind words. I always like seeing them. I got to send more of them over to you, Alyssa, because there's always nice words. I, I don't see them. So I, I'd love to, I'd love to see what people have to say and whatever you've been saying that Jared has been hiding from me. Thank you. <laughs> Well, the Thank trouble is, you. is they keep saying how much better of a co-host you are than me. So I'm like, you know what? So, she doesn't yeah, need that. And, and she doesn't need like, to yeah, see that. Know, we're not getting many comments. We don't <laughs> usually have the time to leave a comment. Yeah, um, no comments yeah, here. No comments here. We're just going to keep going. <laughs> Whatever is being said, obviously, like I said, Jared and I have a lot of fun doing this together. Um, we're going to continue. And thank you so much. And get excited for Flower and Garden Festival. It is upon us. And you're going to see lots of content and we're excited. Yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful time of year, not just in Walt Disney world, but specifically Epcot. And it's bring your cameras, whether it's on your phone or a full camera, this is, there's not a better time of year to take photos at Epcot too. I mean, it is so gorgeous. So we appreciate your love and support and all everything that all of our listeners and viewers do to keep this podcast going. We will be dropping new episodes of the Mickey Bob podcast on every single Friday morning. So stay tuned for next week's new edition of the Mickey Bob podcast. We appreciate the support and we hope you have a magical rest of your day.